Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tiamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. If you want to hear about something or from someone on this podcast, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Today, we are in conversation with the former managing editor of our site, LandGrantHolyLand.com, and he is now the associate director of college brands for SB Nation, the one and only Matt Brown. Before we head into the summer and turn all of our attention to the insanity that will be the 2019 Ohio State football season, the very first under new head coach Ryan Day, I wanted to chat with MB in order to try and put a bow on what was the Urban Meyer era at Ohio State. You can follow Matt Brown on Twitter at MattSBN, and we'll have a link in the show notes in your app and on the site to his new college football minutia newsletter, Extra Points. All right, let's get into it. My first question, I guess, then, is from looking where you thought the Urban Meyer era would be when he was announced back in 2011 or whatever, do you think that his tenure at Ohio State has exceeded expectations, did not live up to expectations, or is it a push, and did he hit the expectations exactly that you expected that his time in Columbus would bring? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know exactly what... You know, how, how you would categorize that performance relative to maybe Ohio State fans' expectations generally? I mean, he exceeded mine. It's it's what what I had what I had hoped when when Meyer was brought on. I, I, even even in 2011, when I you know I wasn't a, I wasn't a sports writer then. I, I had hoped. Hey, I hope Urban wins a one champ wins a championship at Ohio State, and I hope he's able to modernize the program from the Trestle era, you know, like Trestle was outstandingly successful. Um, but he also frustrated, I think a fair amount of Ohio state fans near the end because the offense was paleolithic recruiting was generally not elite elite. I mean, it hit about the blue chip ratio. It'd be almost impossible not to at Ohio state. But I, I think a lot of people were wondering, we're kind of hoping that, uh, you know, whoever came after Trestle would be someone to to really kind of help the help Ohio State emulate maybe what some of the bigger programs in the SEC were doing, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, while there were maybe a few inexplicable blowout losses near the end, and and the Meyer era kind of tailed off, just like the Meyer era does, it did at Florida and probably would have at Utah had he stayed there. He won a title. <laughs> they finished in the top ten. Yeah. Every single year but one. They went to an elite bowl game every single year. They won almost all of those bowl games. They won a title. Uh, they shifted the complete narrative of Ohio State football, of the Big Ten football, and they were and you know they he spiritually broke Michigan fans. Like on the field, for me, blew away even very high expectations. I think the way that that things ended in the last season. Has, has kind of changed the perception of perhaps Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State for a lot of people outside of Columbus and outside of the proverbial Buckeye Nation. Do you think that that hampers what he did at Ohio State from the national perspective? Yes. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what that perception looks like in five or ten years. But I think given how Meyer left Florida – um, that rubbed a lot of national columnists, I think, the wrong way. Um, certainly, 
almost every regional voice in Florida, um, I, I think, had some bad feelings about it. You know, th- this, he was he was not the most cuddly or accessible guy to reporters during that era. And that does color, um, you know, how, how, how certain coaches are, are perceived. And then when you had the end of the, the administration, really not only hitting every single kind of Urban Meyer cliche, but then having a, a really ugly scandal. Any any benefit of the doubt that he might have enjoyed was, you know, outside of Columbus or maybe outside some really Big Ten friendly markets was nuked. The on the field accomplishments can't really be seriously argued by by anybody credible. Right. If you don't have SEC in your Twitter handle, it's hard to argue <laughs> that, that he was like an overrated coach or anything. Right. Like, the, the you know, he's I think w- without question, the second most accomplished coach during his era in the sport, you know, uh, if he was still coaching now, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a conversation with Dabo, but you're, you're right. The, the way that he handled Zach Smith, the way that he handled some, uh, some reporters, the way that, uh, he, it would be very easy to create a narrative that, that he was a hypocrite or, or, you know, at best a really complicated person, uh, that, that, that does color it. And maybe when those, uh, experiences aren't so, uh, are you know a little bit farther back in our rearview mirror, and, and they, they tend to, to get forgotten like they do with the warts of a lot of other great college football coaches. Maybe it's a different story, but right now, if you ask somebody in 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 uh, California or in Texas or in Utah or somewhere outside of like Columbus or the most partisan SEC markets, you're going to get a different answer than you will uh, to somebody who's in the six one four area code. And and I'm you, you mentioned California, and I'm not necessarily going to ask you if you see him becoming the next coach uh, at USC, or maybe I will. Maybe I'll save that for later. But to me, as Urban was leaving, the the idea that he was this gruff guy made complete sense. Like you said, he he did not have a warm and cuddly relationship with the media. But there was a, a stretch at, during the last month of this past season. Where I said to somebody, and I think I said it in our land grant Slack channel, I was like, something's changed with Urban Meyer. And that's when I we started to think, okay, he, he might be done because he actually seemed to be enjoying himself for the first time in a long time. Uh, for these last years, one of the things that I do at, at land grant is I make notes of all of his press conferences. And there was a distinction in, in mid-November where he just seemed to actually enjoy talking to people about football. So when I look at him being gruff and them talking about the stress that this job put on him, I could legitimately see a physical change from him from one week to the next. And then his last month or two leading up to the Rose Bowl, he seemed like an actually like a pretty fun dude. And I could understand why people liked him so much. So when people start talking about, it's just, uh, you know, he wanted to get out. He was tired. He wanted to move on to something else. Like maybe sure. But it, it actually seemed like there was a physical and mental strain on him that he really couldn't keep up. And so I, I'm, I'm on the fence, you know, I've, I've never been a huge Urban Meyer apologist or fan, but I tend to actually think that there is some legitimacy to the the fact that his health issues were a lot more severe than maybe people outside, like you said, of the six one four give it credit for. I I think it's almost impo- it, it would be almost impossible to argue otherwise. I mean, that was a major storyline for all of last season. We saw the guy on the sideline gripping his head in pain. Like it's it's yeah. not a secret. The man has like a literal brain cyst. It's not a secret that he practically worked himself to death at Florida. I mean, there's. There's myriad long reads, um, 
you know, that, that talk about the deterioration of, 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 of his mental and, and physical state. You know, I think that he's, you know, I, 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 I was never an Ohio State beat writer, right? I've, I was living in Chicago and living in D.C. throughout the, that entire era. I have talked to him a couple of times. You know, I've, I've been to media days. I've been to press conferences. And like a lot of other coaches, he's happy to talk about the nuts and bolts of football because that's a world that he understands. You know, if you want to talk to him about pass protection or you want to talk to him about great special teams play, like he'll, he'll happily do that. He's not he, he's a, he's an engaging person that way, just like, you know, like Belichick, even even Saban will do this. Uh, press conferences are often about other things. And that's when you know, coaches who are so siloed and such workaholics in this one little world uh, tend to maybe not respond to that as well. Um, but I mean, yeah, going, going, going back, it, I think it's. You know, maybe there are cynical fans who think that he was faking everything or that 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 this isn't a concern. I feel like the last football season made that pretty clear. Like he's not one hundred percent healthy. And you know, Gene Smith was even talking about this, I think, last week. Like, hey, now that his responsibilities are are freed up much more, he doesn't have that pressure. and he's able to do things that he's more passionate about, like leadership training or being more adjacent to football than being responsible for football. He's healthier. I know he's hyper competitive and he's still really young, so he might, he might get that itch a little bit later. But, you know, I'll just go ahead and talk here a little bit about USC. You know, one of the things that made the Ohio State job, I think, especially appealing for him is, that, you know, this the guy's an Ohioan. The guy has understands the emotional ties that Ohio State has, like institutionally to the state. Uh, better than a lot of other people. So, you know, the success of this university and this program and what it means for people in North, Northeastern Ohio and Northwestern Ohio and Central Ohio, he understands that intuitively. So the idea of, of coming in then to you know, this program where he has an emotional tie, where he has maybe a little bit more familial or institutional support than he might in a completely different part of the country would make it a little bit more attractive, maybe a little bit easier, especially given that he needed to be a better dad at this point. The only other job that I can think of that would meet some of those similar requirements would be Notre Dame. Uh, and USC doesn't. It's on a completely different side of the country. It's a school that is uh, well publicized and having administrative, both athletic and generally just tire fires. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure he would be successful because he's a, been a great football coach everywhere he's went. And, you know, that's a, that's a school where you can get absolutely elite football players and win a lot of football games. And he may very well win a national title uh, if he went there. But all the other stuff that keeps him from working himself to death and having the same problems that we, we saw here, none of that exists at USC. And you have a press corps and I think other institutional factors in that market that are a little bit more hostile than there would be in Columbus. So I, anything is possible, but – I, I don't look at that as any kind of historical inevitability in, in any way. Like the, the what, what what made the transition from Florida to Ohio State possible doesn't seem to really exist as much uh, for Ohio State to USC or Ohio State to Texas or, you know, any other non-Notre Dame gig. So I tend to agree with you. I don't necessarily think that there are any jobs save Notre Dame that would make sense for him to go to in terms of coaching. But one job that we know that he will have – starting this fall is he's going to be working with Fox's college football coverage. And just before I move back onto the field a little bit, do you have a problem with that? If he is still going to be employed by the university and actively working with not just the, the football team, but the athletic department as a whole um, with him also in theory, being critical about the on-field play of his former players and the, the new coaching staff. 
Not really. I mean, I I uh, assume that these are conversations he's had with with Gene Smith and everybody else. And my understanding is that the bulk of his job at Ohio State really has less to do with the football program and more to do with fundraising and with leadership development of other coaches within the program. Uh, I would probably think that him working really heavily with the football program would be a, a big problem given how high strung he is. It would be very easy for him to suddenly be in Ryan Day's office, maybe a little bit more than he should be. And that would, you know, we've seen this with Tennessee and with, with Wisconsin and some other places. When the legend leaves, you kind of want him to like leave, leave, or else the transition gets a lot worse. Um, and, and and if that is indeed the case, we'll kind of see this football season, you know, how much he stays away. I think it's probably fine. In, in fact, you know, I, I, it would be difficult for me to imagine him being super critical of Ohio State on that show. Like you don't, you know, you, you bring Mac Brown on television, like he's not going to dunk on other coaches. He's kind of like hilariously, you know, you know, pro yeah. pro everybody. And uh, you know, given how big of a business partner is Fox is with the Big Ten. I don't think you're hiring Urban Meyer to, to have him dish blistering hot takes in Ohio State football, right? I think it'll probably be fine. All right. I, I, I'm down with that. And what you mentioned a couple times here, you talked about Gene Smith talking about how Urban's now working more tangentially to football. And maybe we don't want him super involved in the football program at all, especially during the season. But the thing to me that he is doing now is actually what I think is actually his – going to be his most lasting legacy at Ohio State. And that's whatever is going to come out of the Real Life Wednesdays program. And we can talk about all of the success, his 83-9 and record at Ohio State, you know, the won the Big Ten East or leaders or whatever it was every year he was at Ohio State. But to me, I think the lasting impact that he's had was really reorienting the football program to provide players and recruits something outside of football. And I, and that has shown up time and time again. We talk about recruiting. You mentioned it at, at, you know, one of the changes you were hoping to see from the Trestle era to whomever took over for him. One of the things that really draws in elite level recruits is having a focus on something beyond just the on field part of their lives. And every time we see a new recruit come to Ohio State, they, they talk about the fact that the real life Wednesdays and the commitment to them as students and then as as human beings outside of football that's a big deal to them and if he's able to take that into help institute some sort of version of that in other programs i actually think that that's going to go a lot further maybe not as publicly but actually have a bigger impact on what ohio state does from an athletic standpoint than just what he did in terms of x's and o's with a football team well i mean certainly that emphasis is worth lauding. And, and, you know, to Ohio State's credit, I, I don't think it was complete absent before Meyer got there. Trestle probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserved for fair, fair. Uh, having a, you know, especially about, you know, LGBTQ issues. You know, Trestle was actually kind of a pioneer about making, you know, locker rooms more inclusive or, or preaching about why that's important among college football coaches. And Trestle's a pretty conservative religious guy, just like Meyer. Um, but yeah, de- certainly within the football program, that emphasis has Im- increased. And if you're at a school that has, the financial and institutional and academic resources of Ohio State, you could bring in some pretty big time speakers. You can bring in, you know, some things that maybe Miami or Ohio you can't do. And uh, I think that's a positive thing. You know, that's something that Clemson does. That's something that Alabama has done. That's something that other big programs do. Is uh, is that the lasting legacy that that's more than the 2014 national title or, or continuing the dominance? Like, 
Cynically, I don't. I don't think so. Um, just because of the overwhelming importance of Ohio State's athletic program, not just to the school but to the city of Columbus. Uh, but it, it 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 is a positive thing, right? Like that's why I mean it. I know it's a cliche, but I think Meyer's tenure is really complicated. You can look at this and say, "Hey, this is unquestionably positive." You can look at the players that he was recruiting at Florida and the players he was recruiting at Ohio State and say, "Look, he improved." Uh, Ohio State's student athletes on the football team were mostly pretty good citizens. Um, they they you know recruited kids who who did well in school, uh, who stayed out of trouble to a large degree, much more than 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 at Florida. He's, you know he he changed he changed that approach. There's a lot of people that have gone through this program that I think fans can be proud of, not just as athletes but as human beings. That's unquestionably true. He also brought in Zach Smith and kept Zach Smith around as someone who did not model those things, and the players knew about it, and he trusted that guy to be a mentor uh, for young people. You know, he he, he there were there were other things here that were that were less laudatory, and that's makes him a complex three dimensional person. That's what a lot of football coaches are like. They're not popes, you know. They're not meant to be. Uh, you know, they're they're not perfect. Um, and I I hope, especially as we get farther along, that we can you know judge this era. In its entirety, not just on the, the the one bad thing that recently happened that's in all of our memory, or just about the, the couple of good football memories. I I hope so too. I, I think being able to have a level head about uh, his tenure is probably something that a lot of fans will want to have in a few years. I think there's still a lot of people who feel very close and connected to Urban Meyer now that might not want to look at his tenure in its totality. But I think hopefully in a few years when hopefully Ryan Days won himself a national championship, we can look back and uh, and look at everything that Urban Meyer did and didn't do well as the coach at Ohio State. So um, with that transition, I want to end on on this. You talked about the modernization of especially the Ohio State offense under Urban Meyer. With that groundwork laid, with the groundwork of the recruiting prowess and the recruiting dominance, uh, for lack of a better word, that he brought to Columbus, where do you see that legacy passing the baton to Ryan Day? Is Ryan Day going to be able to continue to innovate on the offensive side and to not get stuck in the same things that he's doing now? Is he going to be able to continue having the best recruiting class in the Big Ten and competing for the best recruiting class nationally? Do you think that he's going to be able to continue with the on-field and recruiting legacies that Urban Meyer has handing him? Yeah, that that's the great question, right? And the good news is that Ohio State football is probably the most recession-proof program in the country, right? Like, you know, I'm I'm 32, and uh, outside of the Luke Fickle year, which I think barely counts because there was an enormous scandal and most of the good players were suspended, like Ohio State has been not just good but really good almost my entire life. You know, and we look at other programs that have are historically very successful and. Uh, you know, win titles and have really high floors. And, and most of them, every once in a while, will go through a, a bad stretch, right? Like, I distinctly remember Alabama football sucking before Nick Saban. Like, LSU basically took 20 years off, right? Clemson uh, was so bad that Clemsoning became one of the first great college football memes. Even Michigan uh, has, you know, well, I mean, you know, Michigan's won one national title since, like, World War II. Um, and and th- I, th- that is to say, like, even if Ryan Day's just a replacement-level coach, like a bad season at Ohio State's probably like nine and three. Like it's it would be very unlikely for him to be bad. 
And if he is, then the the school kind of kind of pulls the plug. I mean, on one hand, I think we have to temper expectations. It's basically impossible for anybody to maintain exactly the 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 recruiting momentum that Urban Meyer had. He was the best that Ohio State's ever had. Uh, Demographics are not in Ohio State's favor. Uh, I, I think it is probable that instead of signing kind of top three, four, five classes, Ohio State might be more in the top 10 range. Um, and that's still probably good enough for best in the Big Ten. And that's fine. Uh, they're probably still going to win a lot of football games. I think it's it, the offense I expect is going to look a little bit different. Um, you know, it's just kind of like how last year was was really a very different year for watching Ohio State football. That was the most NFL-ish uh, the passing offense has looked probably ever. Um, certainly in like the last 15 years and yeah. maybe that's the direction things go. You know, we've had a really QB, uh, run heavy offense for, uh, 15 years. Maybe we see a little bit less of that. Um, and how successful he is, I'm, I'm not sure. Cause you know, he's, he's coached three games. Um, he's uh, on paper, a very different kind of coach than Ohio state typically has. I would expect some high level of success for the, the next year or two. And then, you know, once it's more of his, of his kids and his system, We'll see what he can do. But the history is on his side that even if he's only average, which I don't think he is, the Ohio State football is still going to be pretty good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. If you are finding the show on the site, make sure that you subscribe in order to get all of the ever-expanding LGHL podcast universe offerings, including this show, The Mothership, Hang Out in the Holy Land with Patrick and Colton, our new State Secrets recruiting show, and Outside the Shoe, our OSU non-revenue sports podcast. Don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Bucks.